Okay, reading from John chapter 4, and reading from chapter verse 4. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you the living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will, be, will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I can get so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where you must worship is Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you, know, what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, 
It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Thanks, John. Thanks, Bill. So here's a little intro before we, uh, before we get into the talk itself. Why does John tell a story of Jesus solving a catering mishap? Sure, weddings are big occasions and nobody wants this to go wrong, but given that John tells us later that Jesus healed the lame, gave sight to the blind and even raised the dead, why Why does John tell a story of Jesus solving a catering mishap? Sure, weddings are big occasions. Okay, I'm going to pass on that. Um, settings are supposed to be for it to work, but it isn't. Um, I'm going to stop sharing the screen a minute, um, just to see if you're all still there. And just reassure me uh, before we start talking. <laughs> nice to see you. Brilliant. Uh, just reassure me. I've, Hello. The settings have changed me on my end. Um, and, I, and I can't see you all when I share the when I share the screen. I'm, I'm going to put the PowerPoint up. If you can see it, that's grand. Follow along. Uh, you'll get a little picture of me in the bottom corner of the screen. If you want to see me more than the PowerPoint, you just you just uh, you you click on that and you, you can see me talking. Um, you've got this uh, a printout of this online. There are some sermon notes um, this week, um, and so you can pick up the words in red um, on the PowerPoint. Uh, will come up on your word search on your sermon notes if, if you printed them out. So that's a bit like we do in a, uh, a normal week. So so here goes. Let me put the PowerPoint back on. So I wonder, I think this is a that speaks to today, because I think in this strangest of times, I wonder, um, what is it that you find yourself um, thirsting yeah. this, this week? Um, maybe you've been uh, thirsting for a little bit of time on your own. Uh, maybe you've been thirsting for a bit of peace and quiet. Or maybe you've been thirsting for a drink down the pub with your mates and you can't go. Or, or maybe some of you have got really desperate, you know, you're even thirsting for the opportunity to go to work. Second question, um, in this time, what has this time done um, to your relationship with God? 
Um, and what has it shown up about you and him and how you relate in this time? Um, has it made it easier? Uh, there's some lovely messages on WhatsApp about people um, reading the Bible together, um, together with loved ones. Maybe it's a time you didn't have. Maybe it's been better. Or maybe it's been harder because all the rhythm has gone out of life. Um, all the hours of the days are the same. Or maybe it's made it desperate. Maybe in this time it's just um, shown up bits of your, uh, your character. Maybe it's shown up that um, you thought you were a patient, lovely person who could homeschool kids at the drop of a hat and you discovered you're frustrated and crabby um, and whatever the opposite of worshipful is. What's it shown about what you worship? And the things you worship, I'm not talking about religious things. What is that thing that you, you feel that you must have hot, John. in your life for life to feel okay? John, that's not hot. <laughs> My tea. No. Hang on one second. Where is it? There we go. And my fourth question is, what's it done for your personal witness? And by that I mean um, uh, the times when you talk to other people about your faith and you talk to other people um, about Jesus. Has it made it easier um, or has it made it harder? Um, it's, it's made it harder and you, you don't uh, meet maybe your workmates or, or the guys socially, but maybe it's made it easier. It's a different kind of time, but maybe it's easier to say to somebody online, hey, come and see what our church is doing. So like last week, uh, this story begins with an accidental encounter. I think that's really interesting. Last uh, time we looked at the story of Jesus turning water into wine um, because a groom had undercated uh, for his week-long wedding. So there's no sense that Jesus has kind of planned that. He'd just been there with his disciples and his mum had pointed out the problem. This time, actually, this encounter... Uh, starts because Jesus is tired. We don't often think about that. Um, so he, he sat down uh, by a well. The disciples uh, have gone shopping. They're, they're off to go and find some lunch. So again, it's a story which seems to have an accidental start. But it ends with this woman who we saw. It ends with her deepest needs met. Uh, she has what I'm going to call water. She has some wedding fixing. I'll explain that later. Uh, she understands something about worship. And she has an opportunity to witness. So what do we mean by water? Well, by water, I mean an offer of spirit, an offer of the Holy Spirit. We'll see that in a moment. So Jesus is, is heading north because um, there's trouble brewing. Um, the Pharisees, uh, one of the powerful religious parties, um, in Israel, I've noticed uh, Jesus' growing popularity. Uh, so he leaves Jerusalem and, and he heads north towards Galilee, uh, which is more his, his home area. And he takes the quickest route um, and he goes through Samaria. The only problem is that the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. So there was always the opportunity uh, for a bit of friction. In the middle of the day, as we said, he sits by a well. Uh, because he's tired, and a woman comes to draw water. And Jesus starts a conversation. He simply says, can I have a drink of water? 
And the woman's shocked. She says, you're a Jew, um, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? You see, in the rabbis, um, the Jewish leaders of the time said, one should not talk with a woman on the street, not even his wife, and certainly not with somebody else's wife, because of the gossip of men. So it was not done to talk to a woman on the street. It was not done to talk uh, for a Jew to a Samaritan. Uh, and Jesus answers her, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. It's a kind of teaser, isn't it? It's an opener. It's a, uh, an opener. It's an offer. And she's respectful, but a bit doubtful. She says, you haven't even got a bucket, mate. Um, and it's a deep well. And Jesus persists, and he says, everyone who drinks this water, the well water, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. This water, the well water, he says, you'll be thirsty again. But I'll give you something that will satisfy you forever. And in fact, if you take it, it'll become like a spring inside and it'll give you everlasting life. So she's intrigued, but what is Jesus offering her? And what is he uh, offering you? He's offering you a permanent solution to your spiritual thirst. Kind of an inner supply of water, a life-giving water um, that gives eternal life. What he's actually offering you is the living, life-giving presence of the Spirit of God. For her, it will connect her with the living God and it will guarantee her eternal life. And I wonder whether you've had a chance encounter um, with Jesus in, in the last couple of weeks. What strange times these are, but maybe in these strange times God is doing something. And maybe you've had a chance encounter with Jesus. And maybe Jesus is making you an offer. Maybe he's making you this same kind of offer. It's open to all kinds of people. Uh, if we read back in John's Gospel, um, we find him offering to Nicodemus, the highbrow guy. He offers to this woman, um, the lowbrow outcast failure time. But if you or she is going to take up this offer, then she has to face up to reality. So Jesus tells her, go, he says, go, go and get your husband. And she tells a partial truth. She says, I have no husband. And Jesus says to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. So Jesus reveals that he knows the truth. Having had five um, husbands was not an out-and-out problem, but the rabbis taught that, that three was a sensible maximum. Divorce in those days was almost entirely in the husband's power, um, and it was easier then than it is even than it is now. So she has been um, sent away by five husbands. She's uh, a serial divorcee. It may not be her fault. It might be that she can't have children, but the implication is that she's at the very best hard to live with, or worse that she has a problem with commitment and faithfulness. 
And the fact that she draws uh, water at noon is, is a sign because she's avoiding all the other women who would be drawing water at the beginning of the day before it got hot. So she's an outcast of sorts. And I wonder what these last couple of weeks uh, have revealed uh, about you. I think they're times of uh, strange kind of strain. And in fact, we're isolated from other people, but in some ways online is a strange kind of meeting. In some ways we're more exposed to other people um, than we have been before. And I wonder whether it, uh, it's pushed you, it's tested you, it's um, revealed things about you. And the good news from this story is that whatever your background, whatever your history, whatever your failures, whatever your successes, Jesus knows them. He knows the absolute worst about you and he still makes you this offer. So worship and offer of access. The woman effectively says to him, okay, um, where and how? Where are we going to worship? Where are we going to worship and how? It may be uh, a distraction to get Jesus off the topic of husbands, um, or it may be that she sees uh, something special in Jesus and she wants some real answers to her, her real questions. Uh, okay, um, you're a prophet, um, but how and where and what should I be worshipping? Maybe you've asked the same question. Uh, which religion is, is, is true? Um, so many uh, religions out there, so many contradictory uh, ways of thinking, which is true. Or maybe you found, if you're a Christian already, that, that the lack of a, a meeting place in the last uh, few weeks has kind of undermined your worship, has kind of uh, put uh, stress um, on your relationship with God. And Jesus says to this woman, he says, um, the place where you worship no longer matters. God is spirit, he says, he's not matter. And what matters is that you worship God in spirit and in truth. What does he mean by that? He means you have to worship God from a heart, an inside, a spirit made new um, by the spirit of God. And it has to come through Jesus, who is the way and the truth and uh, the life. It has to be biblically true. So worship has to be in spirit. You have to get this new heart. How do you get this new heart? You get it through Jesus. What do you have to do? You have to trust this same Jesus who was with the woman um, as he goes to a cross and dies on a Roman cross. And what he does there is he pays the penalty for all the things that we have done against God that stand between us and him. You have to trust him. You have to then receive the new life that he offers. You have to be born again by the Spirit of God. And then you have to submit to his way. He is the way. And then when you have a new spirit, you can worship God in truth, the truth revealed in, in Jesus. And the good news about this kind of worship is it's possible now, um, wherever uh, and whenever you are. But we are called to worship together. Hebrews um, 10, a famous verse you'll know. Um, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And I think that stands, I think that stands especially 
um, in, in this time where uh, we're apart. Uh, the verse goes on to say, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And I think that's really important. We can't meet together, but we can sort of online. We have a substitute meeting together. Um, and you have a chance to encourage one another simply by coming. Or, or Peter, Peter says that we're a chosen people, a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Uh, the truth is that we are a people, we are a body um, in Christ, um, and meeting together is at the heart of what we do. Um, so in this time where we can't, something in you will hurt. Something in you should long um, for that time when we can meet together uh, again. But in the meantime, we can take up this offer that Jesus offers. Uh, a final, final W, witness, you've got an opportunity. Um, this woman, she runs back to her town and she tells everybody what she's experienced. And lots of people uh, came out to see Jesus, uh, believed in him uh, because of her testimony. In other words, they came and they found out for themselves. So I think these times where we're stuck in our homes, maybe you've got more time, maybe you've got less time than you had before, but I think it's still a moment to get down to brass tacks. Is it time to come out like the townspeople did and seek Jesus for yourself, uh, to find him? And a good way to do that uh, is, is to read one of the Gospels. So a group of us, little group of us, are doing these studies in Uncover John. Uh, which these sermons are based on. Uh, we're just reading through John's uh, gospel. It's a good place uh, to start. Get down to brass tacks. Do something about it. Seek Jesus for yourself. Or actually, it's also a good opportunity um, to tell people what you've experienced of him. You can say, Jesus is still good to me um, in this moment in time. So here's the question. Is Jesus talking to you? Is Jesus talking to you? This was a, 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 an apparently accidental encounter um, between Jesus uh, and a woman. Is he talking to you? How will you know? You will know because you said one of these things. You said, if only I had X, I would be all right. You discovered the lack of, uh, of something you relied on um, to feel all right it is blighting your life. And that is Jesus' way of showing you that the only thing that really satisfies is this water, this relationship with God that he is offering with you by sending you his Holy Spirit. Is Jesus talking to you? The other way you will know is because something in these last few weeks has unearthed a sense of shame. Maybe the pressures on life uh, have uncovered um, ways that you, you, you find out that you're wrong. Or, or you just don't match God's standards, or you're fighting against him in ways you hadn't seen before. I've seen that in the last week. Is Jesus talking to you? Or maybe you know because actually your personal worship has died. Now, we don't get a chance to come back um, to Sunday morning uh, and be filled up uh, and encouraged by uh, singing and worshiping together. Um, maybe Jesus is saying something to you, um, what about worshipping me during the week? How are you going to do that? There's all kinds of songs and things, aren't there, online and great sermons. But if you don't worship, 
you will worship something else. If you don't make the worship of Jesus uh, a practice for yourself at this time, you will worship something else. Is Jesus talking to you? Well, he might simply be encouraging you by giving you opportunities to tell someone else something good um, that he's done. And I wonder, what are you going to say? So is Jesus talking to you this morning? And what are you going to say to him? So let me pray and then uh, we'll spend some time in, in prayer together. Father God, we're really grateful that we don't have to worship on a temple mountain in Jerusalem. We can come uh, direct to you, Father God, um, through Jesus, uh, through what he's done, his work on the cross and in the power of the Holy Spirit. We ask you in these days um, to send your Holy Spirit to us uh, in a particular way that we might each personally and as families um, worship you in Christ. We need your help. Lord, you know all about us. So anything that's been revealed about our character in this week, you know about and you're ready to forgive it. We thank you that nobody is too bad for you. Please accept us. Please help us worship and give us opportunities to tell other people about you this week. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.